It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. It's been a pretty bad PR year for the world's most popular rideshare app. And unsurprisingly, it has poured money into good news stories to kick up warm, fuzzy feelings about a company that has been found, time and again, to not care very much about its drivers. Enter a CNBC paid partnership story about an Uber Eats driver who is about to make 100K a year. The American dream, right? Not so, says motherboard reporter Edward Ongueso, who broke down the falsities of this rather suspect piece of news. That's this week on Cyber. I'm Ben Maku, coming at you from my kitchen. Edward, welcome back to the to the pod. Thanks. It's oh, great show. to be back. I mean, you're you're the number one pain in the ass for Uber, <laughs> I believe. Maybe I feel I like everyone know. in Uber knows this. I feel like reality is their pain in the ass. You know, <laughs> <laughs> reality is their pain in the ass. I mean, it's. I, You've done some great work on this, and you this story in particular, this is something that you only get if you're on top of it so closely. And walk me through it. So first off, how did you find out about this, this Uber report, right. essentially? So, you know, funny thing is this story, you know, basically this story about, oh, this inspiring story of how this driver, this Uber Eats driver almost was on track to earn $100,000 a year was published in uh, in June. But um, CNBC posted it again in um, over the weekend, over this past weekend, right? And so the story is basically like this Uber driver um, worked so hard that, you know, he was on track to make $100,000 a year. He made like 8300 in one month. Here's how, you know, in case you wanted to replicate it. And it was done by Grow, which is this partnership between um, CNBC and, um, you know, kind of like a business, you know, press, uh, morning press and um, Acorns, which is supposed to be a financial services company. And their usual shtick, you know, their gimmick is that like they take people who earn a lot of money in one month and then they project it into the year usually and say, hey, if you want to make us, if you want to make like 80,000, 100,000, 200,000, this is what you got to do, you know. Um, and so that's what they did with this Uber thing. And I think um, the, the headlines misleading, the way they framed the video is misleading. If you dig in even a little bit, which these people should have done because they're financial services people you like the whole thing falls apart pretty quickly so what did you do this so you have this and where's this this uber driver where is he driving so he is driving in um washington i believe um he's driving sorry he's uh driving in oregon um he's a driver in oregon and he's uh i think the city is salem um oh and, yeah that's mm -hmm. the capital yeah mm-hmm and he, so he says essentially he's, he's, he's approaching making a hundred thousand mm dollars. -hmm. You broke it down though. You looked into it further. I mean, what did you, how did you deconstruct that? Right. So, you know, he gives you upfront his, what, uh, a basic breakdown of his, um, his, uh, expenses and income in his own TikTok video, because he recorded this thing on TikTok and then CNBC interviewed him and made their own graphics. So in their story, in their video, they talk about how he made $8,357 in a month, right? And that that outpaces the average pay per week uh, scaled up to an annual salary of like $72,000, right? 
His expenses right. are supposed to be like five ninety nine for gas, an oil change at forty nine, a phone holder at five bucks. Um, he ran about four thousand eight hundred miles, but they don't calculate that, and that ends up becoming a big cost later. Um, and then taxes, which would run him about thirty percent or two thousand. So you know, after taxes, just immediately when you go through that, after taxes, he's left with like five thousand three hundred ninety six. So you know, he he's not making. 100,000, I think. But then, like, you know, some people might say, well, it's not fair to say he's not making 100,000 because everyone pays taxes. Okay. Um, you know, then we can step back and look at what his real expenses are. Because if you run almost 5,000 miles on your vehicle, you know, um, mm-hmm. you're not going to have zero exp- expenses. And if you do almost 5,000 miles on your vehicle every month, right? Well, that's the thing, right? It's yeah. like it's like it's miles per per like damage to your car as well, right? That's right. the other thing. His car already had sixty thousand, almost, or his car before he started the challenge had about like fifty eight thousand uh, to sixty thousand miles on it. So another, you know, another fifty a thousand plus miles. Uh, he's going to need either need a new car, or something's going to break pretty badly at it. It's about a twenty fourteen Ford Mustang, if I remember correctly, right? So that is not a that is not a rigorous vehicle either. Yeah. That's like <laughs> so that's also like why is he I'm sorry. This is something I missed in the in the article. He's driving a Mustang and mm-hmm. he's a fucking Uber driver? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I think I looked through his why? <laughs> He, so the thing was he had it's it like, yeah, 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 just, just a second. I got to let you in. I got to get out and then you're going to get him behind me and crank the, <laughs> crank the seat. Like, what is the point of that? That seems like very COVID unfriendly. Yeah. You know, so the, I think part of it was he, uh, before had like an online business, right. And that I think was the majority of his income and then that dried up and then he wasn't able to get another job. So he's been trying to. You he did Uber he did the Uber Eats uh, delivery for about a month and then he tried to pivot that his online presence and the viral media into like a business that he would start and now he's doing like road trips and some other stuff on his TikTok. Um, but all of that kind of still like you said like even the numbers don't really communicate. On the one hand, they got the numbers wrong, but also on the other hand, like they're talking about someone who drove twelve hours a day every day for 30 days that's not sustainable for him as he said in his own videos he took like a week a, almost a two-week break afterwards and didn't do anything because of how exhausting it was but that's not yeah no kidding it's <laughs> not possible for for him to do for a year you know every single fucking day no you ever seen you ever talked to an uber driver it's yeah. like i'm well i know you have but it's like they're like yeah it's a 12-hour shift i'm like no i'm out like yeah no you thank know? you like and like what you have like take like two bathroom breaks Right, if that right, he tried. Yeah, to, yeah you're gonna wear you were gonna wear a catheter, like mm-hmm. Jesus. A lot of the Uber drivers I've talked to over the past, if they work more than sixty hours a week, they have to have a serious, like, they have to make a serious decision about whether or not they're gonna live in the car for that week. You know, because it's not worth it. Honestly, for them, it's not worth it to go home because you miss, you miss rides, you miss trips, you miss deliveries. That is disgusting. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like that th- there are all sorts of hidden costs that this video didn't cover. It didn't cover the expense of vehicles. It didn't cover like the expense of like the mental health and the physical health toll that driving would take. Like there's a reason why driving in most commercial, you know, categories is not allowed to be done today for more than 10 to 11 hours or 60 hours a week. It used to be even stricter. It used to be, you can't drive more than eight hours a day. Right. Um, and even the apps, they don't let you drive, uh, do their um, ride hail driving, you know, that long. Uh, he I mean, was- it also just like the story itself is just this 
this sort of blatant example of of selling this you know unrealistic capitalistic dream that doesn't actually exist it's like you too can make one hundred thousand dollars a year if you yeah. just mm-hmm. pick yourself up by your bootstraps and live in your 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 vehicle and drive for uber right and you can do it and this is isn't this amazing opportunity that uber offers us and you're yeah. kind of like whoa when you peel the shades back you're kind of like well right actually because like on the first is, hand it's like all right, eighty four hours. That's two full time jobs. Is a hundred thousand really like a lot for two full time jobs? Yeah. And then, you were know, you Gordon Gecko? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's not. It 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 increases. You're throwing down those types of hours. You better have a penthouse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like you know, you're not. You shouldn't be doing that for a hundred thousand dollars a year. The only people <laughs> I know who work eighty hour weeks are like people I went to school with that now work on Wall Street or work for. Yeah, somebody. exactly. Same here. You know? Same here. Just like those really, yeah, I'm not going to get into the adjectives, but <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. the, the, those types of people. As, as much as I, you know, uh, do not like them, uh, they are making, uh, the amount of money they're making kind of makes sense for like 80 hour work weeks, you know, like multiples of hundreds of thousands of dollars with crazy bonuses. You know, if you're making, if you're doing 84 hours a week, I can understand that even if it's like a, you know, deplorable activity, but if you're making a hundred thousand dollars, 84 hours a week driving around, and that doesn't even account how like, you know, your mileage, for example, is probably going to, yeah. as I talk about like the, the IRS, what calculates mileage per mile, 57 cents. And that would come up to like two, $2,000 off of his Uber pay. Right. But mm-hmm. the a Seattle study calculates the rate at like closer to 72 and a half cents. So that would knock out like three thousand five hundred twelve dollars from his whole pay, right? So you you knock out three thousand five hundred from that. You knock out um, another what like uh, one thousand five hundred from the taxes. You also have to take into account his tip, the way his tips and a uh, pay are actually split. You know, Uber in reality paid him like five thousand three hundred about $5,300 flat and then tips were almost $3,000. You know, so when you really like when you keep breaking it down and down and down at the end of the day he's left he's really only left with like 3,300 bucks, right? About $9 an hour for driving 84 hours a week. That's week. no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no thank you. You can get that driving 40 hours a week if you really wanted to. You don't need to. Yeah. Exactly. So thanks in no small part to you and other reporters, Uber has not had a very good year publicity-wise. Or even I'd just say the last, like, I don't know, nine to nine months have not been great for Uber. Yeah. There's been a lot of a <laughs> lot of great reporting looking at it and how its its business model is flawed, its workers aren't treated very very well. They've had a host of labor issues across the world. Mm-hmm. So what is this example of? This is clearly, I mean, this is Uber. Uber in some way or another helps direct a story like this. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it because, you know, like it's just such like a it's such a poorly done financial analysis that misses all the normal costs. Like I would like I have to assume that a financial services company understands the way that contractors pay expenses and taxes. But this video had none of that. Right. So it feels like a PR blitz, part of the PR blitz. And they've had like a comprehensive one, you know, over the past two, three months, but you know, in reality, like over the past year and a half, they've been ramping up their yes on proposition 22 campaign. And that's Mm -hmm. to get, um, the state of California to vote yes on a ballot measure that would make them exempt from, um, 
AB5. And AB5 is a law that would reclassify independent contractors when they're being misclassified. You know, if a company actually controls them the way that it controls its employees or the, if it needs them the way it needs their empl employees but just misclassifies them to save costs, it'll reclassify them as employees. And um, they've spent, along with like Lyft, Postmates, uh, DoorDash, and Instacart, $181 million on it now. They've massively expanded their lobbying operations in California and D.C. Uh, they've, they're in like full attack mode. Um, they've got multiple ads up. Uh, they got this ridiculous billboard. Um, what was it? If you, if you tolerate racism, delete Uber, um, which was uh, – you know, like shouts out to the PR person that came up with that because that the, the delete Uber is like the phrase that almost that threatened to tank them um, in 2017 because they actually uh, were like found to be trying to break a strike that happened at JFK Airport where the taxis were trying to um, um, protest Donald Trump's uh, Muslim ban and. When that happened, they lost a significant amount of market share, and that and Lyft came in to eat that, uh, eat that shit up. And ever since, you know, people have tried to use that hashtag as a way to re, you know, reiterate that they don't like Uber, that Uber can be deplorable. And now they're saying, look, like you know, like actually, you should delete it. You know, we're we're the good guys here. You know, so it's a lot. It's been a lot of PR shit. They've been earning their salary over there, I think, uh, for the past year now. I mean, undoubtedly, but I also think, like, has it worked no. completely? <laughs> I mean, I, have they, forgive me if I'm wrong, and I'm, I knew they struggled with reaching profitability for their investors. Have they at this point? No. And the thing they still is, haven't. they still haven't. And they actually, and I'm, you know, uh, if you dive in the numbers, the books are increasingly, they've come up with accounting measures, non standard accounting measures that don't really you know, work for their company, let alone the type of business they run that obscure how much money they actually lose and how much money they burn and how unprofitable they are. And so they're in the middle of a bunch of moves right now to try to delay, you know, the the, the guillotine coming down, you know, like they've they're refinancing, their, <laughs> they're refinancing their debt so they don't have to pay back bonds uh, in 2023 and pushing them back to 2028 because that gives them some extra time to then build up more money to refinance the debt. Uh, they're cutting down like autonomous uh, vehicles or, you know, rapidly curtailing the operation of it. They're cutting off unprofitable business lines that they had or ruined like um, electric scooters, for example. You <laughs> <laughs> did a nice little, little story on that. Yep. You know, like where they literally burning them uh, the way they burn their money. You know, it's just it's I there's no path for Uber to be profitable as it is, and the, especially once it uh, is forced to reclassify drivers in California and then hopefully the rest of the country. I mean, it's just another example of under, you know, under the guise of this Silicon Valley genius, genius perspective that society has been sold. Mm -hmm. It really ends up being just this massive money pit bonfire. Yeah, you know, and, and, and it's worked out well, I think, for the people who got in early. You know, Goldman Sachs got in early, made, um, made millions, tens of millions of dollars on their investment. You know, the early, like, Silicon Valley investors uh, that got in, early angel VCs, early funds that got in, got out and made a killing on their investment. They made the founders billionaires and the early executives billionaires. But it has, like, 
trapped every almost every driver that goes onto it into like the cycle of debt and poverty that is hard to escape uh, because of how expensive it is to drive for Uber full time, which you need to to make money. Well, Edward, that this is as always. You are the the definitely the one of the saddest interviews <laughs> and most fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear you. It's I like you. both. Like, <laughs> well, I look forward to the next one. Of course, thank you. Talk soon. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Lorenzo, Lorenzo, come stai, ragazzo? Good afternoon, Benjamin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How's how's everything on your end? I'm good. You know, I'm finally, I think I'm finally settling into this new shitty reality. It's still shitty, but at least my brain is adjusted to the shittiness at this point, I think. I know, but it's cold now, man. Like I was saying, last night, here we are. We're in business. Business. 12 degrees. Sorry for all you Americans out there. Yeah, that's, ta- the that was like, that's like what, 50? Metric. Like 50, 60? 50, too, 60s? Too little. Too, too cold. That's the too cold scientific is what it was. Yeah. definition. Yeah. Canadian cold. I don't want it. Yeah, it sucks. It There's like no more beach, early. man. There's no more beach. The yeah. dream is over, Lorenzo. Yeah, see you next June, I guess. You know, you know what dream months. isn't over, though? Football. Football well, is back. Well, no. No, I was going to say, my favorite topic of all. Kato, cue that music. UFOs, bruh. The Japanese I government. I want to believe. I want to believe too. I do believe. The Japanese government has decided that they too will track UFOs. I love it. Yes, this is yet another sign that we should be taking this seriously because everyone is, is, everyone else is, you know? The Blink-182 singer is, and now Japan is as well. Uh, and yeah, as you said, the Japanese defense minister, Taro Kono, uh, has instructed his military personnel to start tracking UFOs and report any sightings to the Japanese uh, self-defense forces. Uh, Taro Kono, the minister, has, has said that he personally doesn't believe in aliens, but is interested in the findings. And it sounds like uh, he was... Uh, invited by the U.S. government to, to, to do this. Uh, uh, Kono and the U.S. Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, uh, had a meeting a few weeks ago and they discussed UFOs um, and it seems like that's what prompted uh, this decision. So uh, one thing I will say about the UFOs though, okay, is that apparently <laughs> there was like recent, <laughs> there's a recent blurb in, 
in Bob Woodward's book that's gotten all the attention because basically Trump has said said very early on that he knew the coronavirus was awful and that it was going to kill people and was very much so could be contracted very easily. But there was another sliver where he said, like Trump told Woodward, he's like, you don't even understand the, the nuclear, the brand new nuclear system we have. That's that's like it's something you couldn't even think of. And then apparently it was it was fact checked. And someone deep in intelligence told Bob Woodward, yeah, that's true. We do have some sort of like insane other system that nobody knows about. And that apparently they were shocked that Trump even mentioned it. So I was like, okay, all right. Like, is this just the U.S. government? Like just ripping around and like glowing fucking spheres? Like possibly. Who knows now? But I mean, I want to believe, Lozo. So you think the government is getting ready to fight aliens with nuclear weapons? <sighs> I, more, more like maybe these like these these aircraft are like their 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 super advanced system of of flight. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything anymore. I don't know. It's 2020, Lorenzo. It's 2020. What do you know? I don't know anything anymore. Yeah, my brain is done anymore either. My brain is done. Yeah, we have to say one thing. One more thing about this Japan story is that for now there have been no sightings, unfortunately. Yeah, for now, so far. Yeah. Although if we'll I was if I was an alien, I would go to Japan right now rather than the U.S. You know, if you were yeah, I wouldn't go. I mean, I would. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Um, the belly of the beast is where we're at. All right, so on to the next one. We do have a beautiful story that uh, Mr. Edward did, which was very good. So Ali's partnering with an infamous crime reporting app to track coronavirus. I don't like that. I don't really like any of that app tracking coronavirus stuff that much because I don't actually think it works. I think it, this is this is in fact possibly some sort of long. I think it's a, it's a I think it's a reach because I don't think it because it, it hasn't worked in places where the numbers have gone down. There's been no, you know, Uber Big Brother surveillance system. So why would we need one? It's about wearing masks. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah. I feel like this is another techno techno utopian dream and we yeah, talked exactly. about this a lot on the podcast uh, you know the idea of uh, doing contact tracing so you know figuring out um what who people who have contracted the virus have met and so where the virus could have spread uh, in an attempt to contain it um and and you know there's obviously a lot of uh, privacy doubts and we we've spoken with uh, epidemiologists who are, who are also not very sure about the technology uh, but it seems like none of these concerns reach government bodies because Lo the Los Angeles County has just announced that they uh, signed a contract with the Citizen, which was an app um, that used to be called Vigilante. Talk about shitty marketing there. Um, and th this company, Citizen, is rolling out a contract tracing app called SafePass. Uh, which is meant to track symptoms, find testing sites, and get alerts when somebody gets somebody gets exposed to somebody who has tested positive for COVID. Um, and yeah, as you said, like with this story, there's already the usual concerns: like, is this even gonna work? Are people even gonna install it? And this is the main one. Like, I don't think you're gonna get a lot of people to install this when they realize that it was made by a company that uh, who was backed by Peter Thiel. That was originally kicked off by the uh, by Apple from the App Store because um, 
because of fears that it would encourage vigilantism. This is where they're with their original app that was called Vigilante, that was supposed to be sort of like a crowdsourced uh, neighbor app uh, for people to report potential crimes. Um, it was also actually uh, banned from the App Store because of privacy violations. Um, so it just seems like the wrong company to partner with, and I don't, um, I don't understand why they did it. There must be other alternatives, <clears throat> and there must be a better way. And, and Edward, as you said, uh, wrote a great article breaking all this down, and, and these lines from Edward, I think, sum it up very well, so I just wanted to quote them. At best, the Citizen app seems to be a glorified transcription service for emergency radio that encourages people to go out to stream and document incidents that are unfolding around them. At worst, it is, it is just another in a long line of fear-mongering surveillance platforms that offer paranoia as a service. This is the company that's going to presumably help Los Angeles County fight coronavirus. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm very skeptical. It's funny because now we have now we've had the benefit of, you know, some some actual uh, some actual experience with coronavirus and watching certain societies and how they've dealt with them and how some done better than others. And instead of just, you know, if you look at somewhere like Taiwan, they have actual physical contact tracers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same with South Korea. Yep. and, And same with South Korea. That's that, and they're the ones that have really, they're the ones that have really kept the numbers down. They haven't spiked as much, although I think South Korea might've spiked recently and then it went back down, but either way, they've had human contact tracers. And this is, this is, I think the, the best way to actually deal with this, this problem rather than just sort of allowing like in this very 2013, 2012 way where we just like refer to Silicon Valley to solve our problems. Cause we think that they're like these brilliant people that aren't just going to harvest our, <laughs> our, our personal data for, for, uh, for profit. Anyway, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I don't know. I'm very skeptical about these, these contact tracing apps. Yeah. As you said, like it's been, you know, more than six months now with the, the pandemic and, there is, there's yet to be an example of like a country that has successfully used these apps uh, for good. And with all the doubts that these apps uh, warrant, I just don't know if it's even worth doing right now, trying this. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe just to convince people to that masks are smart. Yeah, wear masks, stay home if you feel sick. Um, that's really That's really all it takes. Exactly. All right, so our third and final, it's a Jaycock special, JoJo. Hasn't been on the show in a little while, actually. we got to get him on. He, this is kind of a classic JoJo story, isn't it? Yeah, and it's another one in the long, uh, long series of stories that he has done over the last couple of years about this very sketchy and super intriguing and interesting uh, encrypted phone networks that are, you know, namely... Uh, companies that provide uh, secure phones for anyone who really needs them that, you know, end up being used by, mostly by criminals. In this case, the company was EncroShot, uh, which uh, he wrote about a few months ago that the company was selling these special Android phones. Uh, it, all their users got hacked by the French uh, gendarmerie, the police in French, in a, in a joint investigation with the National Crime Agency in the UK. And uh, this story details how they deployed, uh, the cops deployed an Android malware that essentially took over the whole phone. And the idea was to, you know, get all the user's data 
and see who's who and see what they were up to. Um, and thanks to this operation, the cops got 100 million encrypted messages. So, you know, there were like thousands of criminals out there in Europe who thought that they were communicating securely, sending messages about drug deals and hitman services uh, that were out of reach from the police. But actually the police was listening and was, you know, just getting transcriptions of all their text and calls. And yeah, like this is fascinating because it may very well be, and it's definitely the largest hack uh, we know of that police ever done has ever done. The biggest hack ever by police. Yeah. I mean, there may be one, another one that we don't know of yet, but I doubt it. Like this is like a, an incredibly, like the scale of this operation was, was insane. They essentially looked at the network of Anchorage users and said, you know what, we're just going to hack everybody and then figure out who is a criminal and charge them. And uh, in the last few months, we've already seen the result of this operation. A bunch of um, people have been uh, indicted, arrested, um, and it's probably just the beginning. I'm sure that the cops are just still going through all the evidence gathered in this huge hack. Wild. All right, well, Lorenzo, hopefully it doesn't get too much colder, but I will definitely be hearing from you soon, probably next week. I'll probably have a couple of Slack messages to give you about how shitty FC Barcelona is, but potato, potato, farewell. Farewell. Talk to you soon. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.